welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. My name is David. And I'm Chris. How are you? I'm good. I'm ready to go. Ready to rip. Ready to run. Ready to rip. Ready to run. How are you, brother? You got those crazy hair right now. <laughs> the crazy hair? Yeah. I don't believe it. Yeah. So, there's something... I've been thinking about this for months and months. First of all, I just want to say what a treat it is to do Dopey. And you know what one of my favorite parts about doing Dopey is? What? Vaping. I don't have oh, nicotine. Yeah, it, it probably rocks you. Yeah, I don't have flying. nicotine you're, you're for... you flying now. <laughs> you know, for, but it's so weak. What, what is the dosage? Three. Yeah, it's bullshit. I need that six. Yeah, I, I don't even want to talk about this. Jam on it. I need that six. six. Dave insisted on getting 12 milligram vape juice from somebody who was sending it to us for free. He sent it to Dave. We don't even see do the guy. Yeah, we're... <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we plugged his shop. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, so what do you got, man? You said you had something on the horizon. Because I got a fire voice memo. It's going to open up a whole can of worms for discussion. I wanted to talk about some, uh, this rock and roll thing. What rock and roll thing? There's this... Don't lean back too much. There's a very, the very, very... Very genius guitar player, songwriter named uh, Pete Townsend. You know Pete oh, Townsend? Oh, yeah, Pete Townsend band. Do you know what band he was in? He plays the guitar? Yeah. Yeah, I know Pete Townsend. What band? Uh, the Pete Townsend band. No. No. I you, know who Pete Townsend is. Who is it? I've heard the name. Okay. It's like that old school anyway, folky stuff. No. Pete Townsend <laughs> was, in, was, was the creative genius behind the hope. Oh. And um, and Pete Townsend is a horrible uh, drug addict, alcoholic. Is he alive? Yeah. And um, he took acid, and he, he I read the, uh, I read a quote about when he took acid that he looked out the window and he saw the trees, and it was in the winter. Yeah. And you know how trees look without the leaves. Yeah. And he said, "What a psychedelic thing it is that trees give off oxygen." And they look like lungs on an x-ray. They do a little bit, yeah. And it was such a cool thought, I thought. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So that was my thought. And then he wound up becoming a devotee. What? <laughs> I just love his story. What? I took a bunch of LSD once, and I was <laughs> I was in high school. Uh-huh. It was actually... Dude, this was the first time I took LSD. I've told the story where... I wrote in the notebook in the city in the boxers. Remember yeah. that story? Is wow. You tell that story twice. Yeah. So this wasn't even before that. I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I was like, I'm going to like watch porn on LSD, and like it's going to be great, right? How old were you? I was like 16 or 15, right? And uh, the only thing more disgusting than eating on LSD (laughs) is probably watching porn. Because I started watching porn, and I just like I started to like think about the actresses and their lives, and then like the porn industry. You know what I mean? It was like not pleasant. But then I looked down, and these were like I told you, having open eye visuals. It was like fucking really strong acid. I took way too much, and I look at the hair in my chest. And it was, like, turned into, like, arteries and veins. And I could see my lungs, like, breathing in and out. I was wow. sitting with no shirt on, yeah. That's some, uh... I'm just reminding. Continue, though. No, that must be some... Yeah, porn on LSD is not a... Imagine not a being a porn actor on LSD. Or even worse, imagine being a porn actress on LSD. Well, I don't get it. Like, our, my friend Alex, who's been on the show and called in a bunch... He's only called in once. He he calls in a share of screen time. It's only a couple of times. Well, that was last year. Uh, and anyways, he uh, he was someone who took LSD like every day when he was using. Like, he just like went about his life taking LSD. Didn't we just hear some story? Oh, 
That was, um, yeah, this is another tangent, but uh, about a month ago, yeah. I'm on the Long Island Railroad, yeah. and I'm going home. And uh, I think I'm watching, let's just say I'm watching Curb Your, Exper- your Enthusiasm. Curb Your Experience. <laughs> Curb Your Experience. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm watching something else. Yeah. I don't remember what it was. And I'm watching it, and I'm sitting next to some guy. And I look at it. He's watching his phone. And I look at his phone, and he's watching The Sopranos. And he's watching the episode after Christopher died, and Tony goes to Vegas and takes the peyote with the the super hot girl. He screams, I did it in the desert. No, he screams, I get it. No, he screamed, I did it in the desert. He screams, I get it. He screams, I did it. You're a fucking idiot. We're pausing this to check... Dopey Nation, I found the video. We don't know if he said, I get it or I did it. We're going to determine who's right right now. I get it! I did it. I get it, you fucking idiot. I did it. You're a fucking idiot. Wait, wait. There's actually a video that says Tony Soprano, get it or did it. And what does it say? And it's all it says, get it or did it. He said, I get it. Right, look, look what it says. Read what it says. I get it or I did it. He says, I get it. Look, Sopranos, I get it, you fucking idiot. One more time. Let's listen. Here it is. I get it. It's so obvious that I get it. What do you hear? You might be right. Chris, you Chris, might be right. Tell me what you hear. I hear I get it. And does, what, does you think I get it means I did it or I get it? Okay, you might be right. But the title of that video was what? Was get it or did it? And what did and you hear? And then when he says it, it actually says in the bottom in quotes, I get it or I did it in question mark. And what does it sound I, like? I think it sounds more like I get it. You're right. And what was your original thinking was? Uh, just, you you know, win like this? No. Why don't you have some humility? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I'm sitting on the train. Yeah. And, and the person next to me is watching that video. Yeah. And I go... The buttons were so small, too. I remember he took like three buttons of the peyote. Have you ever taken buttons like that? No. Not me either. Uh, I've just done the same Pedro. So, uh, so I, so I look over at the guy, and he's watching Tony Soprano, and I'm thinking to myself, I miss Tony. I wonder how Tony's doing. Yeah. And then I think to myself, I can just go back and watch it. And I'm like, I'm gonna do that. You know, when I when I'm done with whatever show I'm up to, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna watch The Sopranos again. And I told Chris I was watching The Sopranos again. And Chris was like, why are you wasting your time like that? Because I get me, down on myself from when I start watching Sopranos because it's just a vacuum. It just no. eats away your life. Well, I, I don't know. I'll tell you this. When I work a long shift and I get back on that fucking commuter train and I get to see the guys the Bing <laughs> hanging out. And, and it's also like there's something I always fantasized about. And, and, and I especially fantasized about this when I was getting high, uh, because my life was so bad. Yeah. But I would, and I and I didn't really live my life because I was so high all the time. I would fantasize about a machine 
that showed you your memories or a machine that showed you your dreams. Yeah. So like I could watch really what I was Replays thinking. Replays of your life. Yeah. But what, I always wonder if maybe when we die in the afterlife. No, I don't think so. You think there's an afterlife? Of course. You do? Yeah. Do you really think so? I have a hell guy, yeah. No, you don't. Actually, I just have it mostly. Do you think there's hell? I think everybody goes to heaven. I think maybe hell is some sort of vacuum. I think hell is where I work. What about purgatory? I think you know, this do is. Do you it. know what purgatory is? Dopey. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but this is what I'm saying. So I think I was so miserable that I wanted to have a machine to show me when I was happy, but I couldn't voice that. I just said I wanted a machine to see periods of my life, and this is retarded. But I find that when I watch The Sopranos. I can remember how I Where felt when, when I watched it. it. Yeah. Even when I watched it a different so time. Sopranos is the machine. It's a version of it. It's a filter. Yeah. You know, it's like carbon dating or something. Yeah. Like you can figure out, you know, I don't know the science of carbon dating, but you yeah. figure it out where it sits within the, the carbon decay or whatever. Yeah. Now, uh, and it's funny because I was talking with a buddy of mine at work about the Sopranos, and he was saying how uh, he loved it. But then it really fell off, and I and I always and I never really gave it any thought. And I've seen it so many it times. It doesn't fall off. It does. I don't think so. I'll tell you when it falls off. Yeah. The the moment The Sopranos crosses to a place that it shouldn't cross to. Do you remember the episode where Tony meets his father's girlfriend? Who was also John Kennedy's girlfriend? Yeah, and she like tries to hook up with him. She doesn't try to later hook on. Him. Yeah, she does. She does a little dance and puts the hat right. On but him. she's not trying to hook up. With I think him. she is. She's no, he to, just he's like, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. but 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 that was just so not Tony. In that episode, Tony like goes to her house like five times, takes her to fucking Satria. He's trying to be a nice guy. No, Tony is. And a then he goes to the little buggy cars. It's like her business. Right. She's supposed to have a piece of. He gives her a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. And but the real thing is when he takes her to uh, what Vesuvio, Artie's restaurant. Yeah. He takes her out to dinner too. So he sees her six separate times and gives her a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Why you think he wouldn't do that? No. I think it's him trying to like make peace with stuff. He would do it once, twice tops. That's why you know the show is going bad. And then after that, you have just scenes that make no sense. And and what what brought this up for me is when you mentioned how Alex would um, take LC every day. So Adriana's running the club. Yeah. You know, and the fucking Pakistani drug dealer Matush. Yeah. Is like, let me fax something on the machine. Yeah. And she's like, no, why don't you use Kinko? And he goes. Here's some ecstasy. And she just takes the ecstasy while she's running the club. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't see that Take as... Take ex willy-nilly, you mean? I don't see Adriana as some psychedelic explorer. Well, ecstasy kind of falls in between. It's like, for some people, it's speed. For some people, it's more psychedelic. It was always very, very psychedelic for me. Yeah. That's kind of... For me, it was like right in between. It was very psychedelic for me. It's so, not like taking Adderall with like a little twist of a small dose of LSD. Never liked that for me. It was always it was always dopey when I did it. It was like it was oh, like it was very speedy. Always I did speedy. the downer stuff and it, it was very euphoric. Oh yeah, it was extremely euphoric. But I Adderall first, is not dude, euphoric. Dude, I remember the first time I bought a bunch of ecstasy. How could you describe it, ecstasy kicking, like Adderall? I remember it kicking in. It's actually it's methyl dioxymethamphetamine and MDMA and Adderall is a mixture of dextro and levoamphetamine. Adderall you test have dirty for amphetamine. 
Um, Rattle doesn't have what? They, uh, uh, what was I saying? Oh, Adderall doesn't have took, I, Adderall doesn't have that psychedelic. Of course, euphoric. I know. Intensity. That's why it's not just Adderall. I'm like it's a combination. Don't get upset at me. I'm just saying, like I don't see it as a comparative thing. Even what, if, what even do if you the, think dopination, even what do you feel like. Listen, um, I, I took Adderall maybe twice. Yeah, and I took ecstasy maybe ten, fifteen times. You know, I took Adderall from when I was eight years old until I was twenty-one. And then some a few times in between, and every other basically stimulant medication, and I probably take ecstasy a hundred. Yeah, so your knowledge times. is better than mine. <laughs> yeah. But I think the ecstasy that I would take had a uh, dope in it. Well, you get the Molly, you know, what I mean? like the Molly if it's a powder, or even if you sniff it and taste it. No, it, it was always it, these. You taste this really bitter, and if you sniff it, it burns like a motherfucker. It was always pills, yeah. and they always had like they were all fancy, like Playboy yeah. pills and shit. I've had a lot of dirty, dirty pills like that weren't. F- I've had fucking. I got these stars ones that was just DXM. It was like powdered the stuff in cough syrup, and it was just the pills. You must have loved that. No, it sucks. Stripping on DXM, you get fucked up. It's not fun. I don't think I never did that. It's not fun at all. The first time I took ecstasy though, it's in high school. It was before we could drive. It's like fourteen, fifteen. And I remember it kicking in. I remember that like the, probably the most profound drug experiences I ever had was the first time I shot coke. Um, it wasn't even the first time. It was the first time I did a big shot of coke. I was in rehab in a bathroom, and I fucking flipped out, started jumping up and down. Um, it was the first time I got high off of weed, which was like the tenth time I smoked. And the first time I got the first time I rolled, the first time the MDMA kicked in, I remember feeling incredibly intense euphoria and at the same time just thinking I think I took too much (laughs) that was the feeling because it was like it was like it was too good you know but then it all fucking like fizzles you know it was like by the hundredth time it was like nothing you know same with shrooms there everything what are we talking about (laughs) oh let's play the you want to play the voice memo oh wait where were you you were talking about something no, Pete Townsend. <laughs> Start with Pete Townsend. No, in the lungs. We're talking you... about a bunch of different things. For me, the, the times that I took drugs that were the most. Um, in what would you? What was the word you used? Uh, most intense, whatever. Was profound, memorable experiences. Sometimes smoking weed in the very beginning of smoking weed. The second time I did heroin was like. That was an unfortunate it's, experience. It's, it's weird how it isn't always the first time. The first time I did heroin, I got ridiculously yeah, like high. The model then showered with you or something? Is that the time? No, it was the not girl. a model. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a model. I got I, I snorted some heroin in my college uh, dorm room. I threw up, and then I, I like hooked up with some girl that I was friends with, um, and she was not a model. Yeah. Uh, not even close. Um and I and in the morning I was sick as shit and I was like ugh it was, it was just dis- every aspect was disgusting and there was no joy but the second time I did it I felt at peace with the universe I felt taken care of yeah I felt like it was literally that I have arrived thing I felt like this thing was designed for my sick brain and as long as I can get some everything will be okay that's how I felt with coke Never even liked it. It's so weird. I always talk about this. So it's like my, you know, always my thing was, I didn't even do benzos. I drank vodka. I love I drank, benzos. I didn't I even, it wasn't right. I drank vodka. 
I shot coke, and I would shoot dope. Those were the three things. And in terms of actual, like, enjoyment of, like, when I'm intoxicated, I liked being drunk, the feeling of being drunk, more than the feeling of being on dope. And I liked coke a distant third to those, right? But I would compulsively seek the cocaine out. It was like the order I did it in was cocaine, heroin, booze, but I enjoyed it, booze, uh, dope, cocaine. I, I, it was all about like the impulsivity with Coke. It was like, that's what I was looking for. And it's the same. It mirrors how we used. You were that tortoise, the t- a turtle that would have these extended periods of using. I had these big fucking blowouts. You know, I talk, they talk about for gamblers. We've mentioned this before. There's two types of gambling addicts. There's relief uh, gamblers and action gamblers. The relief gambler is the person who actually goes and does slot machines for three days straight and they don't sleep. The action gambler takes their whole paycheck and puts it on red on the roulette table. I was like an action user. You were like a relief user more. Well, the, the relief that I saw, it was it was really like a, a I have arrived. It was I'm sick without it. This it was really this. If, as long as I can do this every day, yeah. it will be okay. That's and what it, booze was for me. That's and exactly it, what booze. And was it for really me. happened to me in the first place with pot. Like, yeah. and, and like, uh, it's like, because I, I work with so many people who smoke so much weed, that guy Rick who called in, yeah. he was talking to me today and he was like, he was like, you know, I, I do it medicinally. Yeah. It's like, it's, I don't know. I think the second that, I think stopping weed, you know, long-term weed, stopping weed, it's very hard to do. Like you don't go through withdrawal, you know, yeah. but it's psychologically difficult. Yeah. And... It's scary because it's so innocuous and yet you so rely on it. And you're not going to get sick, but you're going to be like, I'm not going to be the same person. It takes on these bigger proportions than you'd think. And I don't think you were that kind of a stoner. I think it reveals – well, I I mean, so smoking weed was – Multiple times a day, always during high school. And then before I went to rehab, so my beginning of college, like – 18, 19, it was all day, every day. But as soon as I shot dope and stuff, like shot coke, as soon as I used a syringe, it was gone. You know, I was just... If you could have shot pot, you would have, you would have found a place in your world. That's just because it's how you were. You needed the needle. I just fell in love. I fell in love with the syringe. I just love that. Just the ability to stick something in your arm and... Because it was all about changing how I felt. And being able to do that so quickly was just... That was what's intoxicating. And I always talk about this. My favorite part of using drugs, of shooting up, was always after I pull the syringe out. You know, I put the syringe to the side. I put my thumb over... You know, the hole, so it doesn't, so it clots and doesn't bleed. And while you're putting your thumb over the hole, and so the, the, you know, the the hole's clotting, there's like anywhere from like two to six seconds before it hits you. Do you know what I mean? Where you can shoot it, you don't feel it right away. Because I was always like, I'd draw blood and like, I'd usually just slam it, right? So then I'd hold it, and it was like that anticipation, that hope of what it was going to do. Like, the actual effects always paled in comparison to that anticipation of that couple seconds. That's a very beautiful thought. You know, it's like Christmas morning. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's it's a very beautiful thought. Um, I remember, it's so funny. Whenever we talk about stuff like this, it's like I I think about a lot of things. But the thing that I think about more than anything is what a different life. Yeah, I know. Do you know what I mean? It's It's like what a life so far gone... You know, I remember that feeling. I remember, you know, the the pain 
you know, the pain of sticking yourself. Like at first it was like, it was just so foreign to do it. And then, and then when that pain changes to comfort uh, of knowing what's coming. And then for me, because I didn't have great veins, that thing we would talk about, like where I would miss and it would create a bubble yeah, in my veins. squeeze it back in. Yeah, and it would be like the fireman, you know, in like a cartoon yeah, where the yeah. fire hose gets backed up and you see that big bubble. And yeah. I'd always be pushing my vein thinking it would just get in there. Get but it doesn't. It, doesn't it just goes into your skin. But you still get high. Yeah. And then one of my favorite things about that was is that anticipation period. But then when the taste would land... You know, you shoot up, and then when eventually when the taste lands in the back of your mouth. You see, I didn't get that for dope. I would get it for coke. You wouldn't get that for dope? Time. No, I didn't really get the taste as much. I'm like, I get it for coke, huge. Okay. And then the worst was fucking shooting meth. Shooting meth, it felt like I was exhaling hot garbage. It felt like, like a summer day where everyone puts the garbage out, and there's like that wafing fumes of garbage. That's what the meth it would just be. That, that um, Amy Dresner. She was when she when she shot meth. It was the biggest relief of her life. Yeah, it's like I can't even imagine. Um, so a quick story. Um, as I try, as we try to uh, raise the profile of Dopey, I've been seeking out potential podcast networks, suitors, collaborators, peers, whatever. And I don't know if any of you guys know about the sex, drug, yeah, and rock... Yeah, we had an ad for them. Oh, yeah, we did an ad for them. <laughs> for the Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll podcast. But I don't know why I just decided to seek them out. Yeah. And... You've talked about I it. I told the story. So, so I finally got... Well, you don't like that story? No, I like it. So I got a hold of the guy. <laughs> Makes me nauseous. <laughs> Does it make you nauseous? No. So, so the guy Ralph Sutton, yeah. who was a what big about Big J Okerson. I never, you know, Big J Okerson is, is Artie's great friend. Oh, really? Yeah, it's too. Yeah, whatever. So I went and and Ralph Sutton asked, or I asked him if he wanted to get coffee sometime, and he's on some like rock star cruise he does every yeah. year, and he owns the Gas Digital Podcast Network, oh, and he met me for coffee, and we went to this restaurant uh, on the. South side of Tompkins Square Park, and it's a tiny restaurant, but yeah. the fucking shit is so good. They, they they bake their own bread there. They make these ridiculously good egg meals. And uh, okay, what happened? Let's get to the point. No, dude, I'm like I'm going to meet him, and like he's like this big guy. He's like probably a little taller than us and bigger. Yeah. And um, and then there's Big J Okerson. He may have big. He must be a mountain of a man. But um, so I go, I go, and I, I look at him. I go, did you, did you order breakfast? And he goes, yeah. And this guy's like a manly guy. Yeah. And I'm just and I go up to look at the menu, and there's this curry vegetable dish that I want to get, but I'm going to be like, I'm did like you a pussy. Pastrami and American cheese omelet. No. So I order the fucking pig and egg sandwich, and then he gets his meal. And he ordered the vegetable thing. And I was like, I fucking ordered the pig and egg to impress you. <laughs> Did you say that? Yeah. And then he took me back to their studio, which is his apartment. And it's really nice. And um, and he said, maybe they're opening a gas digital studio. And he said, if the dopey numbers are up, maybe he would include dopey in his podcast. And he gave us uh, and he did this. You want to hear it? Yeah. Play it. All right. I'll play it. Hey, what is up? It is Ralph Sutton from the Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll Show, the SDR Show on the Gas Digital Network, and you're listening to Dopey, the second most popular podcast on drugs, because we're the first. 
Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Peace. Oh, wow. He was right about the audio quality. You know what I'm saying? This sounds really good. Yeah, we can. Sounds like shit. We could sound that good. Well, have him hook him up. Hook it up. Why can't we just go record there anyways? He doesn't want us to record there. Did you ask him? No. Ask him. It's where he lives. So what? He has 20 other... You no, know, we'll bring him a vegetable frittata or whatever that is. Frittata? <laughs> <laughs> no. He doesn't want us there. Uh, let's play this voice memo. Great. You ready? Oh, but what about wanting to want? That whole thing. That's what we're playing. All right. All right. Guys, this is um, a voice memo from Amanda. And I think it just does a beautiful job displaying the ambivalence of, not the ambivalence, but just kind of that conundrum, that that paradox, that catch-22 of, of wanting to get high but not wanting to, and there's benefits, and there's no benefits, and she just does a good job. So anyways, it's a, it's a little uh, kind of rambly, but I think that um, she just she's just in a, in a rough spot, and it beautifully conveys... The area where so many of us have been, or where we're at. Hey guys, uh, this, I put it on speaker because my things are. I love it. <laughs> Fuck, I need to redo this. Actually, you know what? I'm just not gonna redo it. I'm just gonna leave it how it is because, yeah. Anyways, hey guys, what's up? <laughs> um, so I did another. I did a voice memo before this one, and you know, honestly, like I wasn't, I wasn't being truthful. So I'm just gonna do one and be fucking honest because. You know, life's too short to fucking put on this act, especially with people like you guys who are there to help and, you know, can spot bullshit from a mile away. Um, so I am in recovery, was in recovery, not anymore. Um, yeah, so basically I went to Florida, um... You know, going to treatment and all that shit. I got clean. I ended up really stupid. <laughs> really dumb. I ended up fucking up in when I was in halfway. Um, can't blame it on this girl, but basically this girl also took me out. Uh, and then after that, I just moved out. I got my own place. Um, so after my fuck up, I never really, you know, saw the, what's the word, the consequences for it. But, um, you know, I didn't keep using or anything when I got out for a bit. And then uh, a couple months ago, you know, I started I started using again. And I'm addicted to heroin. Um, I wasn't using, like, how I was. I used to, you know, IV it and shit. And it's not like it's any better if you fucking snort it. But I really, like... I don't want to die. You know, I've came close to death many times and realized that I don't want to die, um, which is pretty contradicting because when you're fucking around with this shit, you're basically like on the edge of you could die right now. So I don't know. I'm just fucking really struggling. You know, I could really use some advice because I really, I don't know what to do. Um, yeah, I was in Florida. I started using again. I started using, like, how I first started using every now and then. And then it became, like, an everyday thing. And I had to, you know, I started withdrawal from it. And the shit was fucking expensive down there. And it's shitty as fuck. So, yeah, I just got real with myself. Um, I actually called a detox and, you know, made sure they had a bed for me. And I wasn't going to go into, into detox. And then I fucking didn't. 
because I, you know, I don't, my words are, I'm not ready to get clean, which is fucking bullshit because I know people who can say the same shit and then they end up dying. So it's fucked up. I know you guys know how this fucking shit is and it sucks really bad, but I'm not going to put on some front and act like I'm doing well when I put on that front every fucking day, you know, in front of my family and shit and people. So what's the fucking point of putting on the front with you guys when you're here to help? Um, but yeah, so I decided to move back home and (laughs) what's really fucked up is I just tell everyone I move back home because I miss my family. Um, no, I moved back home so I could do drugs and that's the fucking truth. It's cheaper, it's better, and yeah, if it was up to me, I wouldn't move back here. It's fucking cold as shit, and I miss fucking Florida, but the real reason why I came here is for drugs, and that's fucking terrible, and I just, I'm struggling, and I need you guys' help because I don't know, I don't know what to do, like, I see it as... I don't want to get clean, so I'm not even going to attempt it. You know, I have yet to really face some serious consequences. Knock on wood. I mean, yet. The word is fucking yet. I don't have any legal trouble yet. I don't... I mean, yeah, I'm fucking... My account is negative $400, but let's not talk about that. You know, I'm still able to get shit, um... I have yet to hit a lot of lows is what I think it is. And I'm scared when I do hit the lows that, you know, it's going to fucking change you. Like, I have yet to go through what a lot of girls have went through in order to get drugs, if you know what I mean. Um, And that's something that, you know, has crossed my mind, but I haven't gotten to that point yet. And I hope I never do, but, you know... (laughs) It's bound to happen one way or another, unfortunately. And I don't want it to happen. So I just need some fucking help because how do you get clean when you don't want to get clean? Because it's not going to work if you don't want it. It works if you work it. <laughs> like, but for real, that's a fucking saying and cliche as hell for a reason. So, yeah, like I said, I don't. I obviously don't want to die. Not many people want to die when they're using it. I mean, some people obviously don't give a shit. So, I'm... Obviously, there's some point in me who wants to get help because I'm fucking reaching out. It's just, it sucks so fucking bad. And I wish it never started. And I guess I know ways to fucking help myself. You know, I don't talk to anyone. I don't address any issues. I keep everything I have basically bottled up inside of me, and it's like I'm constantly in the state of mind of how my voice sounds, like I'm teetering on the edge between a fucking nervous breakdown, but I don't have one because I just keep my shit together, and I, it's not even that I keep it together, it's that I fucking mask it all and don't address it, and yeah, it really fucking sucks. Um, I know you guys have either dealt with that before or, you know, there's many people who are dealing with it. So, so what the fuck do I do, basically? Because I don't, I don't know what to do. How do I want to get clean? 
I mean, yeah, I outweigh all of my options and realize that getting clean is the best way. But, but like, it's gotten to the point to me where, like, when I was clean, I was, like, it was my first time ever attempting to get clean. Like, this has been my first fucking rodeo. So... When I was finally clean, I was, I was like, holy fuck, like, ambitions, goals, like, I want, I want a new car, like, I was usually thinking about how I can't wait to eventually get a new car, like, those thoughts would have never came in my mind before, because who the fuck would want a new car when all you want is drugs, you give a fuck about getting a new car, and it's just stuff like that, like, I don't have any, it's, it just gives a show what drugs do to you, like, I don't, I personally, I don't care about that. I don't, I don't care if I'd have to sleep in my fucking car. I don't care if I'd have to do anything. I don't, I don't see happiness in being sober. And I guess that's because it's like I asked for these answers, but I already know them inside of me. So I probably sound like I'm fucking insane, but I don't know. I guess there's fucking two sides of me. I guess I'm just fucking a little bipolar over here. But, yeah, you guys know how it is. It's, like, fucking, like, an angel on one side and a devil on the other. And I wear both masks. So, ah! I'm gonna go. Um, yeah, it'd be awesome to hear some fucking feedback, though. Because, you know, it just would be. Um, I guess I'm gonna leave my name anonymous. Because, I don't know. Whatever. You guys can just call me fucking... Call me Slim. Slim Goody. <laughs> Slim fucking Goody. That was the nickname they gave me in rehab. <laughs> that would be my name on the street. Slim Goody. <laughs> but yeah. Alright guys. Fucking toodles, motherfuckers. Toodles. It was a long voice memo, but I just thought it beautifully conveys that sort of in-between place. Which I think is like, if Dopey helps anybody... It's somebody that in that place, right? You know what I mean? It's not somebody who's further along, you know? Maybe it's some kicks for people who are in that pre-contemplative state where they're just getting high and they want to hear some stories. But, like, she's in that spot. I think that, um, first of all, my, my heart goes out to Slim Goody. Or Is it hoodie. Slim Hoodie or Slim Goody? Slim Hoodie or Slim Goody. And I remember, like, so many times that I, um, I was in treatment... And I wanted so bad to want to get to get it. Yeah. You know, and I would be in treatment. And I was in treatment because my life was so fucked up. I couldn't afford to get high anymore. There was, you know, you know, you get painted into that corner and you're like, what the fuck am I going to do? I'm going to go to treatment. I got to get better. But then the second I would get better, every time, the second that I started to get better, I knew that it was a lie. That I was in treatment. I knew that uh, I wanted to get high. I would leave to get high. I would talk about getting high. When I got out of treatment, I would get high every time. Yeah. Every time. And uh, and I remember. And I was pretty. I was like a, a you know a decently educated person. And the counselor would talk about my ambivalence. And somehow I didn't know what the word ambivalence meant. I thought it meant that I didn't care. Hmm. But the idea was that I was torn. Hmm. But. I wasn't even torn. I wanted to... Even... I knew that... I didn't know it. There was a big lie in my head that said, um, you can keep getting high. Like, that that was a possibility. You know? But in reality, 
It's not really a possibility. That's the thing. Yeah. You can only get high for so long. And, and, it, and it's like, I don't know. Like, today at the meeting that I went to, the woman said, someone was hardcore. She was this old lesbian. And she said, um, she said, you know what I hate? When people say they had a slip. Yeah. You didn't have a fucking slip. Yeah. You drank. Yeah. Or you used. You know, and, and when you dr- and you don't just have a slip. I always got pissed at uh, Bill and Bob and the people who wrote the big book put that in there. There is some language about a slip, and I think it's maybe working with others. And it's always like I feel like everybody falls back on that. So go slip. You don't know for a day. You know, I don't like. I agree with what the woman's saying because it's a dangerous line of thinking. It's just like oh, I can just have a slip and come back. There is no slip. There's no slip because it's like for most people, for even what they're calling a slip, which would be like if you have a few months or even a year or more, and you go out for a day and come back, they might say that's a slip. But I feel like if I see that, then the message I get is I can just have a slip and come back. Because the truth is, you have a slip and you usually don't come back. You might die. You very well could die. Yeah. You don't know if, and then I don't mean to talk cliches, but you really don't know yeah. when or if you're going to come back. And the one thing I do know, yeah. the one thing that, and I really know it now, it's like, it's like I watch The Sopranos, right? Yeah. Forgive me. I'm just going to keep going back to this. But when when they have to kill Adriana and Christopher has to live with it, he, he does a little dope. And then he doesn't do it again. Yeah. And it's like, that would never be me. Yeah. If I do anything, all I'm thinking about is when's the next time? Yeah, and especially, and how can especially I do if it? you're using at a specific feeling, because it doesn't make the feeling go away. It just comes back just as strong. And all you remember is I used dope and I didn't care. Right. And, and so to answer Slim Goody or Hoodie's question, I, I have no fucking clue. I'm not, hey, that's a million dollar question. Because there's a whole bunch of shit I could throw at it, sort of similar to what you did. But the answer is there is no answer. I mean, I, the stuff that when I was in, and I was in her state a lot, many different times. But then towards the end, I was in it. And, like, I, I, some things that gravitated w- with me and, like, gravitated towards me or, like, just the language or the concepts I liked was that whole thing of contrary action, doing the opposite of what our brain's telling us to do. So you know what I mean? It's sort of like, even with her, where she's having this, like she said, the angel and the devil, there's, you know, there's like this inner voice sort of, it's like, do the opposite of what like your, your autopilot's telling you to do. You know but what but I mean? I'm it's telling like, you, from what I understand, it's like, I don't story. want fill in the blank, then do the opposite of what you don't want to do. And I don't know her, and I wasn't with you when you were in that situation, but I know you pretty well. Yeah. And I think the only way that you could get to that opposite place is through great adversity and serious oh, yeah. desperation. Beaten into a state of reasonableness. Serious desperation. Yeah. You would have to be in to be like, okay, but the, maybe, but, but maybe the, if I try the opposite. But the big, the big question, though, is I was in serious desperation over and over and over. So what made it? So I It's levels, though. It's, it's levels. But the ultimate desperation, it wasn't consequences and external things for me. It was like an internal bottom. Right. You know, granted, there was, like, big shit that happened at both of the last times I stopped using, but there was greater shit that happened earlier, you know? But but I think, you know how they talk about the bottom, past the bottom, past the bottom, past the bottom? You know, you think you've hit your bottom, but then there's another yeah. bottom. I think it's it's almost counterintuitive in the same way for getting better, that 
you you encounter this horrible thing, and then you get a little bit better, and then you do it again, and you remember the first time. So there's almost like this phantom shit that's growing up in you, like so that I know for me, I'm not following. Okay, you. it's like by the time that I finally got clean, there was so much shame, misery, self hatred, pain, fear consequences on top of consequences ignored consequences all sitting inside me so in the end I was full up with with all of this stuff up to my neck like Tetris when the fucking shapes go up to the top and there's no room to put something else in and it's like I can't do it anymore and that's when I was like I can't do it anymore because I was I couldn't I could not tell the lie again it was just it was done I couldn't do it again. (laughs) You know? It was like I was full up. Yeah. And and like, and and like just trying to explain (laughs) the lie again, my voice was like, it's not true. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you know what I'm saying? The Tetris thing is real. You know, because in the beginning, you're like, dee 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 dee. And it's like, the Tetris shit is falling down. And then, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, What are you doing? I'm gonna, I don't know why, what you just said made me remember something. Uh, made me remember this video. Which video? <laughs> I don't know why. It just reminded me of this. So it's like trying to like say all the lies. You know what I mean? Like trying to, it's just like, I don't know, all this shit coming up. It's like there's this facade that I've built with so many different people. You know what I mean? And with my people pleasing tied in, this is, it just reminds me of this, this video. Oh, you don't need to park here, Mr. Griffin. You have an executive parking space now. Well, that looks exactly like my old space. Yeah, but this one comes with your own company suck-up. Morning, Mr. Griffin. Nice day. Well, it's a little cloudy. It's absolutely cloudy. One of the worst days I've seen in years. So, good news about the Yankees. I hate the Yankees. Pack of cheaters. That's what they are. I love your tie. I hate this tie. It's awful. It's gaudy. It's got to go. And I hate myself. I hate you, too. You make me sick, you fat sack of crap. But I'm the president. The best there is. But you just said you hated me. But not you, the president the you who said you hated you you who love hate yankees cloud i'll have that fixed for you tomorrow do you remember that video? i don't want to feel you know, like, no, but it was like just trying to keep track of like all the different lies and everything i had going on do you know what i mean and it just reached a point where like i couldn't do it anymore it was exhausting it was so tiring and that's a surrender when you're finally just like I don't fucking know. Like, I, I just, I give up. I don't know. When know? the idea, it's like all those cliches, but it's so, it's, I think this is a really nice way to explain it. All those cliches, cliches mean nothing until they mean something. Mm-hmm. And, and they mean nothing because you can keep getting away with it. It's when you can't get away with it anymore that you're just like, Fine. But that's why, that's why people who have family support, who have people who care about them, they have a better chance at getting sober sometimes because those are like reflections of the things you're talking about. Because people care about their life. Yeah. So like you you have to tell somebody what's up with you. 
Like, is that, is that they're like or a reflection like, of your state? Or it's like state. you feel bad hurting people after a while. Do you know what I mean? Like, eventually it gets through to you. I remember, this This is pretty deep, okay? When I first did yoga, the first time I ever really tried something, I was getting picked up. Um, I was in an outpatient clinic uh, at McLean Hospital in Boston. And uh, I was doing day treatment, so it's like a little bit more intense than outpatient. So like all day, five days a week, I was at McLean's doing groups. And my mom would pick me up, and I was living at home, and I just came back from California and was using again, and like just already such the worst shit had already happened. And uh, I remember my mom, and like I was pretty cold, do you know what I mean? Like distant from emotions and stuff. And somehow we were talking about when I broke my neck when I was a kid. Right, and I was, you know, I've told the story on it. You know, I broke my neck in two places, back in two places. I had to get my spleen removed and bleeding in my brain. It was really bad, and probably wouldn't happen even if I hadn't been drinking like until like four a.m. and shit. So, anyways, um, I was. Getting, my mom picked me up after group, and we were coming home. And my mom told me that, um, you know, when I broke my neck, my brother was like a competitive Division One swimmer in college. And he was about to do, like, his race, and somehow, like, news came to him that I was in the intensive care unit and that I had broke my neck and my back skiing. And he got, like, so rattled by it, he had to, like, walk out of the swim meet, and, like, he couldn't do his race. And my mom told me that, and she wasn't, like, just for some reason it came up. And I remember I, like, broke down and, like, just started, like, crying hysterically, you know what I mean? Like, really, really bad. And it was, like... There was no... I couldn't even fight it. Do you know what I mean? And it was basically... I just felt like such a piece of shit that there was somebody else who cared about me that much and what I had been... Do you know what I mean? That was that mirror, that reflection that sort of forced me to look at like what I was doing with my life in terms of just the lies and all the like nefarious fucking characters I was associating with, my activities and shit. Yeah. I mean, I... I, I and I think that however you actually are, when you take all these things, you you get to be numb. You get to, you know, live in this place where nothing touches you. You get to be taken care of by a, a chemical. Yeah. You know? I, um... I, 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 like, had no reaction to anything. You know what I mean? Nobody's, nobody's pain bothered me. Yeah. You know, nobody's uh, concern bothered me. Yeah. It was... For me, it was my family. It was yeah. my daughter's mother and my daughter. And then, and I had fucked that up, you know, completely. Yeah. And I had gotten clean, but then I started smoking pot. And I kind of just was like, I kind of said to myself, I'm going to live the way I want to live. And then all of a sudden, I had a shot with her. And, but I was already on the path of using and I was yeah. taking pills and I. You know, I'm gonna, she's going to come on the show and tell the whole story of yeah. what happened. I don't want to, like... I've yeah. told bits and pieces, but I, when she tells it, it's going to be good. Yeah. But, like... And then when I blew it with her the second time, my self-hatred was just... It, it was mind-boggling. <laughs> I remember, like, I, like, I, I remember this time period. Because you were calling me a lot. I was so much pain. Yeah. I was in so much... I was in agony. It was worse than the Helga situation. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Give me a break. Helga's some fucking... I, where oh, did you, I'm not saying anything about where her. Where did you I'm meet my Helga? I'm saying my reaction. You met Helga on Bagel Meets Coffee. <laughs> you dated her for three weeks or something. It's like, this is a, no, a, a woman that I had a I child with, I lived with, I, I, I was in the fucking delivery room. I'm not trying to talk about the people, the person of the situation. I'm just saying the reaction was bad. Dude, it, because because there was a life that was created that like... 
was paying for my stupidity, you know, besides my own. You know what I mean? Like, just like the idea that my daughter was going to be victimized because I was so fucking stupid and I wanted to get high now and again. You know, I could not see the fucking forest from the trees. When I fucked that shit up the second time, I was like, I was insane. I was like, I was literally out of my mind insane. And there was no withdrawal from opiates. I had to get off weed. Yeah. You know, and I had to stop taking benzos, which I was barely taking. I mean, I used to take benzos. Yeah, you were doing that like once a couple, every month. I did. You weren't even buying it. You were like stealing them. No, people were giving them to me. Yeah, you weren't. But like, I was not dependent on, I was dependent on weed. But when I got off of everything. But you also had something, you had a lifestyle that you were changing too. Right. At that time period. Because you were saying goodbye to single Dave. I was like, no, but when I, I, I was, I, I don't, I don't mean single Dave in terms of dating. Yes. That was probably a piece of it, but single Dave in terms of like, you were was becoming family Dave too, you know? But at that moment I wasn't, there was no, there was nothing on the horizon that would say that we were going to get back together. Yeah. We, she didn't want to talk to me. Yeah, you were so annoying. I remember like, shut up. Like, stop talking about I lost, it. I lost. I lost. You were like a broken record. No. You were those Barbie dolls with the little fucking hook on the back. You just pull it. And, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> says, says, oh my God. You've never had. It's very sweet though that you care about your family a lot. A consequence <laughs> of that proportion, like it, it literally destroyed my brain. And, and then I, I wasn't giving up single Dave. What happened was it was give, it was really saying, I can't afford childish things in my life anymore. Yeah, you know, as preachy as that might sound, I said to myself, I can't. yeah, your life was you would work at fucking your place of work, you'd go home and smoke weed, and you were a child. Yeah, too, yeah. Kind of I would order up. food. I would yeah. fucking hang out. I'd, I'd have people over to play music. Was, I would date. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I was gonna say it was it was great. <laughs> it was fun. But my point is that, like, I got filled up uh, with so much garbage that it was, I, I just, it was back to the point that when, I remember I was sitting on my computer in that kitchen, in that apartment, and I'm sweating, and, like, I was writing her to apologize and say that I was going to change. I was writing this long letter to her saying that I was going to change, and I was thinking to myself, how can I possibly change? Like, how can I possibly... Because even when I had had the 18 months clean, yeah. every day I wanted to get high. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. I wanted to want to stop. Yeah. But I didn't want to stop. And I'm writing this letter swearing that it's going to be <laughs> different and I'm going to do it this time and I have the best intentions. And, and I'm thinking, how am I going to fucking do it? Like, I didn't... I had no idea how I was going to do it. That's... Well, I mean, that... Revelation you're talking about, I feel like is the real. That's real step one. That's like the meat of step one. How so, please? It's like the few times I've kind of really realized how powerless I am over my situation. Not just over drugs. You know, we were pitted, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. That our lives are unmanageable, and it's more of the second part, the unmanageability of my life, which was a manifestation of my disease. You know, I'm gonna choose to call it that, of the affliction. When I really embraced it and knew like how futile it was for me to come to combat it and where it would take me, which was death, it was scary. But it's kind of what you're describing writing that note. It's kind of that same feeling. Right. You know it was I mean? totally that. <laughs> it was totally that. And I didn't even yeah. see it. I couldn't see that at all. Yeah. All I could, all I could see was that there was no way out. Yeah. 
and I was going to be miserable. Yeah. Like, and worse than that, like you say, I was that that string, yeah. that that <laughs> that doll that keeps saying the same thing. Like, I was as obsessed, self obsessed, yeah. and situationally obsessed as anyone ever could be. Yeah. So what I did is I remembered because I never went to AA. I just yeah. went to AA during uh, treatment. Yeah. They said. That AA will uh, end self obsession. Yeah. Like, and I said, I said, well, I'm not even an alcoholic, but I'm going to go to AA because I need relief. Yeah. And and then I went to AA, yeah. and I had that crazy fucking sponsor, yeah. like that troll of a sponsor, who the first day he goes, why don't you work with me, yeah. and I'll have you through the steps in 12 months. Yeah. And he was very very strange and creepy. Like I don't like that. Yeah. But then um, I worked with him. And I, I never used again. Yeah. And uh, and I didn't get back with Linda right away. I dated a little bit, and I had a, and I had a, and I grew up a little bit. But within ninety days, the uh, obsession to use was lifted. Yeah. That ninety days, and and again, to answer Skinny Jay's <laughs> hoodie, goodie hoodies thing. It's like it's almost like a magic bullet. It's almost like because like then there are people like that we knew well, at Mount. Have you ever, do you remember realizing when the, the the beauty of when the obsession is lifted is? So I didn't after I you know I got sober with you. I was sober for about two years or so, and then I relapsed, and then I got sober the second time. I relapsed for a couple months, and I didn't experience the obsession. This last time, you know, this last story. I have four years now, but in the beginning of that four years, I wasn't didn't have the obsession. The time I met you when I stopped, I had the obsession so bad that I I've told you intrusive thoughts about the blood registering on a needle, injecting cocaine to the point of sweating, like daily. You know, in the beginning, the point of sweating, but then I still think about it. And sometimes I'd even play with it in my head, but I still remember the obsession lifting, and it was like four or five days had gone by. And I'd be like, I was like, holy shit, I haven't thought about getting high in like five days. And then you kind of want to access the getting high thought. <laughs> you like, kind of want to remember. Is it still there? Yeah. It's Does like, what, wait. Fuck with it? Well, I mean, I can, you can still fuck with it now in, yeah. a, in a really weird way. Yeah. You know, even just like. Sorry, go ahead. No, what are you going to say? The needle in the neck? No, thing? I just. The I, Reddit I, thing? No, I didn't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, please. So I, I saw this drug and alcohol counselor. Um, his name was Dave, and I saw him for years. Super hardcore guy, uh, interesting, really interesting fellow. Fellow. Anyways, um, he done like ten years in prison. Used to kind of be associated with the Hell's Angels. Real, real bad addict. And it was like he was the only type of person I could listen to that first time I got clean. And uh, I saw him for two hours twice a week after I got out of rehab, for like six months, and I ended up seeing him for years. Right. And, um, he said he knew when it was like time, like when I'd gotten better, you know, and and since him, I still see a therapist every other week and we do probably more in depth sort of stuff. That's not what he was for. He was more just like a drug and alcohol counselor. But he said that, um, he knew that I had gotten better because I stopped talking about drugs. He said it didn't even matter really what you were talking about. Do you know what I mean? But like, he's like, our sessions would be 80% about drugs. Do you know what I mean? You just, I just started to have other things to talk about a little bit. But that's what what we all, whether it's good things or bad things about, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like, it it started to be less the story of my life. I think that skinny hoodie, goody hoodie, 
Hoodie Goody. Whatever her name is. Slim Goody. Slim Goody. Slim Slim Goody. I think she moves home because it's it, not only were the drugs better or cheaper, but she's taken care of. Oh, it's the, the, the best time using is like when you're using in like a sober living or like with your parents because you feel it's like you don't want to use your parents, but then when you look back at it, the time you probably liked it a little bit more was like when your parents were around because at least for me it was because like I felt safe. I never did that. Yeah, I never. You did never that. used at home because you were never. gone by the time. In you fact, used. I was only. The only reason I never went back was because I couldn't use. Yeah. Like, I would never be in a situation. Expose them to that. Or expose me to I just didn't want them to see it. Yeah. Oh, I, I wouldn't try to have them see but it. But I don't I mean... Do. I don't even mean that. I mean, like... I wasn't trying to protect them. Yeah. I think I was trying to protect the high. Yeah. Because the high would be ruined by being around them. Then, yeah. And, but I also was And safe. the truth is, the, the, when I'm even talking about it, it's like me using in high school, which was a much different... It looked much different than... I, I think I was safe and taken care of when I lived with that woman in California. You know, she worked. Oh, she yeah. paid the bills. I just had to, you know, cook. You were a house pet. You didn't even cook. I did cook. You did? Yeah. And you went to clinic. Cooking clinic? Cook, clinic... Uh, and I, the other thing I did, and I, I just remembered this, is that I would walk around the neighborhood and I would pick flowers from people's yards. I would steal flowers. I would walk for miles. Yeah. Pick, like, <laughs> yeah. Picking flowers. Did you like give them terror? Yeah, and then I'd make vases around the apartment. Yeah. Like, And I'd take pictures of them. And that, that was my life. And I, you were a photographer. I, the pictures. You were a freelance photographer in the, LA. The pictures were terrible. <laughs> Do you have them? I have some. Some of them are good. Yeah, yeah, I've got boxes of them. Oh, they're like picture pictures. Yeah. Did you go to a dark room? No, you I know how to do that whole thing in dark room stuff. Yeah, I do. You know how to do that? Yeah. Wow. But I never, I never, I never uh, processed color film. I did black and white uh, yeah. dark room photography. Why does that have to be dark? Because if you expose the film to light, it'll, uh, it'll just. Oh, because the aperture lets in light into the film. Is that why? The camera? Yeah. So then it's basically like a wide open aperture. If you let in light, light, it'll overexpose the yeah, film. Yeah, okay. So it has to be black. All right, what are we talking about? I don't know. We're talking about how to want to want to stop. Yeah. I think we've covered it pretty nicely. Let me, should I read this email? we got to crank through some of them. We're almost done. Let me just... i gotta, we got to read some of these, man. We're so backlogged. Sorry, Dopey Nation, if we haven't gotten to your shit. You know... Okay, this is from Kyle in Oregon. Hey, Chris and Dave. You like that? Mm-hmm. Dave clearly didn't read this one. I love the show and have spent probably close to seven full days listening through your older podcasts. I work on a pot farm and I'm currently trimming weed. I sit in a chair for 12 to 15 hours a day manicuring pot and basically have to listen to podcasts slash music so I don't lose my fucking mind. Thanks for helping. I've never struggled with intense addiction, but I've had times in my life where I was stunted in life progress due to copious use of drugs and alcohol. Your podcast and the stories from the Dopey Nation really help scratch the itch and make me feel glad that part of my life is mostly behind me. Was never an IV user, but I've done most mainstream drugs, and you can imagine with the most mainstream drugs you can imagine with the exception of heroin. I have plenty of ridiculous stories from when I was younger and less responsible. The bad trip on acid, where I got naked, trashed my apartment, met my hot neighbor for the first time while naked, convinced she'd let me pet her dog. Driving around Austin, Texas, with some dude I met off the internet forum, the shroomery, smoking bath salts. Smoking a gravity bong of JWH-13 powder and having to decide to call an ambulance or resign to die in my bed. 
taking a shitload of Vyvanse and while trying to study for finals, having the realization that my friend that I hadn't been able to reach all week, that I had just given a couple ounces of shrooms I grew to sell, had obviously been busted with them because he was being monitored by the police after they raided his apartment earlier that year and that he was setting me up. Then putting two of my large mushroom grow boxes with almost fully mature shrooms in the back of my car at like 3 in the morning to drive them clear across town and hide them at my friend's house. DMT abuse. The see-through alien medical checkup. My roommate and I both having intense nightmarish sleep paralysis. If any of that sounds dopey, I'll call in and tell the story. But anyways, thank you guys so much. You're awesome and doing a great thing. I love how engaged you are with fans of the show and think you are both very good and funny. Kyle. Nice. Did I respond to this guy? I don't know. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Kyle. Dude, you remember my story about uh, about when I got hired to work at the pot farm? Oh, yeah. It's a classic. Yeah. Classic. You made it a day. Yeah, well, I, I... You drove up with your methadone bottles on the back of... Let me try... Actually, this is kind of funny. Let me try to recount it and tell me how much of it I get right. So you drove up from... Just let me just let me do the whole thing. I'll do it in about a minute. And just don't interrupt me if it's wrong. So you were in L.A. You were not doing good. You drove up to, like, middle California, northern California, along PCH in some shitty car. Uh, you got pulled over right before you got to the pot You're farm. You're ruining the story, though. <laughs> you got pulled over right before you got to the pot farm. Your the cops searched... The car, he found 30 bottles of methadone or six months of methadone. You told him you were going to the, that was your medicine and that you needed to go to the pot farm. He told you where to go to the pot farm. You started working at the pot farm and you wouldn't shut up. You kept talking to all the other employees and the second day they asked you to leave and you drove back. Yes, that, basically. That it? <laughs> yeah. What I will add to this story yeah. is I, I, you know, I shot a ton of dope before I left. Yeah. And I was and I was on methadone and I was and I had a bottle of Xanax and yeah. Clonopin in the front seat. Yeah. So I would drive. It was, it was like a seven-hour drive to get to Northern California. Yeah. It took where's like, Humboldt or where you going? Uh, I think uh, I want to say Valencia or Val- it's a V yeah. V town up there. Yeah, and uh, I it think took, Valencia is near LA, isn't it? I think Ventura is near LA. There is Ventura. Anyways, continue. Uh, it, I don't know. This is some V town. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what should have been a six-hour drive turned into a 20-hour drive. Because every, like, hour or so, I'd pull over to nap. <laughs> I would be nodding. <laughs> and I'd pull over to nap in all these parking lots. And I remember I had a, I had a camera, and, like, there was, like, a flock of birds in the yeah. parking lot. I started running at the birds and... <laughs> pictures to get them to fly away. Wait, and how did you even get this job? Because my girlfriend's friend was with a dude who did that. Oh, and then he was like, just go up there? Yeah, he's like, come live what with me. What do you here. remember? Like, how many people were there? Okay, there were like four people there. What were they like? Those like crunchy granola people? Yeah, I don't really remember. They were like crunchy granola people and like kind of like punk rock crunchy granola people, like that mix, like yeah. hobo kind of thing. Were you like slurring your words and shit? Or what yeah, I was fucking high as shit, and like I didn't. I don't think I made it twenty four hours. I think I think <laughs> they hired me. With did you spend seven the hours. night? Yeah, I spent the night with a dude in his cabin. I remember they had one of those space heaters that got really bright orange. Yeah, because it was so cold at did, night. Did there. you all smoke weed together? Yeah, I smoked weed all day. Yeah. But I was also taking pills and methadone. Yeah. And I probably was talking about that, too. Yeah. Knowing me. 
Yeah. And I remember, though, in the morning, before we started, we drove into the hills, and it was, like, so beautiful. Yeah. It was, like, the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. Was this seen. illegal, or was this legal, what they were doing? I think it was illegal. Okay. It, it was literally one of the most... It wasn't, like, a medical farm. I don't think so. Okay. Maybe part of it yeah. they sold to medicals, but I don't, it was illegal. I think it was illegal. I, I don't know. I don't know. But... But I do remember, the one thing that I remember really well is that it was some of the most beautiful country in the world, and that uh, there were all these, like, very high hills, and there was mist, you know, yeah. in the early oh, morning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we drove through a valley, there's all this mist, and there were these elk in the valley ramming each other's horns. What? Like Like, <laughs> like wild... an animal planet? <laughs> yeah, it was like that. It was so beautiful. It was New Yorkers. Yeah. It was so beautiful. But then... So, like, I, and I thought their place was really beautiful, too. Like, so, what did they say to you? They're like, hey, Dave, come, like, they give you a reason? Do you remember what they said to you? I think they're like, dude, you're really annoying. You gotta fucking go. <laughs> no, they didn't really? They said something mean. Like, they were like, they're like, you re- we really can't have you work here. You know, like, you gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> really? Something like that. And I remember I drove home with 29 bottles of methadone because <laughs> I only drank the one. And I'm thinking the whole way, like... Did they give you anything? Yeah, they gave yeah they gave me they gave me a bag of weed. How much? Like a quarter of weed. Sent me on my oh, way. A quarter? Dude, I worked, for, I worked for a day. They should give you like an ounce though. It's like you drove all the way up there. Maybe I don't. Know. I think they. I think the. I was happy with a quarter. It was like yeah. 120 bucks worth. Yeah, I was totally happy with it. It yeah. was nice, bud. Yeah. I just was so sad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I always wanted to work at a pot farm. Yeah. And I was Well, you did, man. You can check that box. I wasn't welcome. I, you know what? It's even better that you worked, you worked there for a day and got kicked out. But they were also super annoying. You know what I mean? Yeah. People who work on pot farms are not your people. They're not my you people. You always talk about how you're this stoner. Like, you're not that type of stoner. What kind of... You know. But it was... It you're was, like a Star Wars pick in your nose. It star. was so shameful. That drive you don't home. care about eating organic and like <laughs> <laughs> fucking what did what did uh, Andrew do? He, Huckleberry, Huckleberry Finn, yeah, like that's like yeah, I would, be, that's I would get type, outcast. That's that type of stoner. Because I'm sure I was making fun of them too the whole time and like yeah. And also, I'm sure all I talked about was like methadone and pills and dope and this and that. Yeah, I didn't belong. And then I got sent home, and I swear that ride home was like shameful. What did you do when you got back? I got high. What do you mean? For work. I, I, I barely worked for seven years out there. <laughs> I literally barely worked. I, I, you know, I taught a class on graffiti to kids. Okay? Somehow I, I made money teaching a class on graffiti, and every day I would get high on heroin before the class, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I, like, got money from the group. I bought them all little black books and graffiti markers, yeah. and I was like, do graffiti. Yeah. It's like, it was so weird. That was also where I got the job fucking doing... Bird. Yeah, yeah, doing the... The, the, the Power Rangers. The Power Rangers and the Big Bird doing uh, birthday parties. Yeah. But I, ha- I was just so high. Uh, the whole time and when I wasn't really 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 high I was on methadone I was doled out of my brain anybody who's on a lot of methadone I I challenge you to remember well those years that you're on 120 (laughs) milligrams of methadone I don't remember anything I remember like I remember some of, like, if I look at the pictures, I can remember it, but the pictures are like, who the fuck was I? You just blinked and it was a decade later. Yeah, it was like a time machine. 
<laughs> it's really you like probably that. preserved you though. You probably aged well. Did I? Dude, your heart's going slow. I think I aged well, except then not relaxed. Except, <laughs> you're not panicking over anything. Except with all with all of the stress of being a fatherhood, all of my hair went white. Yeah, that was from. Yeah, you got about two thirds pepper, one third salt right now. Oh really? How about the beard? Your beard is more. Your beard is equal parts salt and pepper. See, I would shave my beard, but I would look like such a nerd. <laughs> Did I ever tell you the story about the Did last? You, have time? I ever seen you shaved? Did I ever tell you? The, you yeah. Know, have you always had a beard? No, I mountainside. I didn't. Oh, yeah, I have seen pictures. You look so much younger when yeah. you shave. Yeah. But so, like, I was like, I don't know, last year or two years ago, I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to shave the beard and look young and good. And I walk into work, and this Dominican kid I work with goes, hey, the 40-year-old virgin. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, oh, can't do that again. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways. Oh, we need to do the ad, right? Yes. One more yeah. time. You want to do it? No, you do it. All right. This is a very recovery-based episode. <laughs> I don't think so. You don't think so? It was, yeah, there was recovery, but there was certainly a lot of dopey in it, too. What was dopey? This might be a classic dopey, too. Is this the episode where we're talking about Skid Row and all that shit? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> I can't even remember what we did in the beginning of the episode. <laughs> I don't know. By the end. Read to me. I don't know. Why don't you tell the story about Artie just now? Yeah, we saw Artie. We just went and saw Artie. Artie texted me once in a while now. Yeah, Dave almost chickened out, though. I didn't almost chicken out. I was trying to be do this. Let's go. (laughs) And I said, do you want to go? And you said, no. And who dealt with it? You did. Who did all of it? I, dude, I gave him, I shook his hand, and then when he was about to pull away, and then when he was about to pull away, I did one of these. I did one of these. Like, I did peace, and then I turned the peace sign into a thumbs up. No, you did not. Yeah. Do you do that? (laughs) (laughs) That comes naturally? Yeah. That's weird. I do that a lot, actually. You do? Yeah. I go like that, and I let it sit for a second, and I see it, and then when they start to pull away, I... Do you know what I do? What? I look this. (laughs) (laughs) Looks like you're sucking a dick. <laughs> That's what they used to do in the Belle Biv DeVoe videos. Okay. Yeah. Um, this episode is brought to you by Work at Clinic. Now opening California and Michigan, get treatment from your living room. Work at Clinic provides online counseling, online evidence-based lessons that help you live without drugs and medication-assisted treatment like Suboxone. Or as I like to say, Suboxone. That bup. Uh, when needed. Your work at program can be done together with the 12 steps or as a stand-alone solution. Get help at home. Visit workathealth.com slash dopey now to sign up or just to get more info. Again, that's workathealth.com slash dopey. Now, before we go, I want to say that um love to hear from you guys. Uh, we've smoked Omar. He's through in terms of uh, competing with us for reviews. But the only way that's going to maintain is if the people in the Dopey Nation who haven't... Why are you looking at me like that? I'm listening. If it's only will maintain if the people who listen to us that haven't written a review will write a review. Because uh, we need more reviews to smite more of Omar. We have to smite home. We're not, what does home have? 650? We can do that. All right. Now we need to catch up with home. What is it going to take? Home is like two middle-aged women who drank a little bit of wine, and that's what they talk about. I mean, come on, junkies. Can't junkies you, unite. Can't you beat those fucking bitches? I can't believe you. What? 
when you use a term like that. What? Bitches? These cunts at home? <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't dominate these women? Oh, man. All right, here's... Okay. What are you doing? I'm reading a review. Oh, review of the week. Review of the week. We've had so many reviews we haven't read. He has so many emails. I feel horrible for not reading all the emails. All right. From Schwartzy Babe. Schwartzy Babe. Schwartzy Babe. I used to date a girl named Schwartz. Read the email. She Read says, the review. Two words. It's lit. Is that the whole review? Yeah. Read us a... Five one. stars. Read a better one. Okay. From proud member of Dopey Nation, Connolly C.S. says... I like this review. I can't say I was immediately hooked. Of course, hooked. But the show grew on me. And now I absolutely love it, and I think I need it. See, for me, it's the opposite. I really loved it at first, and now I don't really need it anymore. <laughs> I absolutely love it and think I need it. I started listening when I when I using. <laughs> I started listening when I using. Continue to listen during six months clean, following an OD. I listened to it during a five month relapse, and I'm listening today with five days under my belt. There you go, brother. That's serious emotion. That doesn't sound like a ringing endorsement. It does. But Chris and Dave are so genuine and lovable, they have given me hope, made me laugh out loud, (laughs) (laughs) and at least for today, I feel like I'm going to make it. Love the new intro. Just hope it doesn't get too polished. Perfect the way it is, guys. You think that's a guy or a girl? Connolly? I was thinking it's a guy. And from Camp V. Oh, we got more. Do you think Camp V was trying to be campy? Oh. And then she got to be Camp V. You think it's a guy or a girl? We have no idea. We thought Magic Camp, Dragon I was a girl Camp, and it was a guy. I think Camp V is a girl. I thought Cunsey was a girl vagina, and it was a guy. V vagina. So you think this is about her vag- campy vagina? That's just... I think I just associated it in my brain. Okay. She says... <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> she says, so funny and crazy. You both should be so proud at how far you have come. Keep up the good work. It's also a nurturing kind of thing. It's a matronly... It's an older woman, I think. Camp V. She's like rooting for us. She's probably not an addict. And her vagina is like she, yeah, kind of rustic. She knows. She yeah, and she knows somebody who's an addict. So you think family. she does have a rustic vagina? Is what rustic you're vagina, and she also has a relative, a niece who's an addict who's struggled. Yes, maybe currently struggling, and she's listened to Dobie for more information. She liked it, and she wants the best for us. Maybe a sibling. Maybe a sibling. But she doesn't suffer herself. She's not a flicker. She's got codependency issues, maybe. Camp V is codependent? <laughs> yeah. All right. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. What? <laughs> <laughs> We're wrapping up, aren't we? No. Then Newly Dopey. Newly Dopey. Says, new to Dopey. Love it, guys. Great chemistry. I've absolutely binged this. <laughs> Okay. All right. Now, before we go, um, before we go, here, here's some quick, here, Ryan Daniels says, wicked crazy story about shooting Suboxone. (laughs) Have you ever shot Suboxone? No. And running through a lion supermarket. What's a lion supermarket? A lion supermarket? Yeah. Thinking people were trying to shoot me after a two-day meth smoking binge. 
What was the craziest thing you believed to be real during a hallucinatory experience? How long after sobering up did you still believe it to be the truth? That's more of a you question than a me question. I didn't even hear that last All right. Stay strong. What was the craziest thing you believed to be real during a hallucinatory experience? How long after sobering up did you still believe it to be the truth? That is just a can of worms. I think we could do a whole episode on that. What, your God complex? I mean, thinking I was Jesus and pissing my pants is right up there. I think you still think all that stuff. I think we all have the power to be the Savior. All right. Let's call Jed and talk to Jed about this. Call him up. Nah. All right. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. And toodles. We'll see you next time. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. And I wanna take a ride up in the sky. Watch this airplane just pass me by. And I wanna see a Lear jetliner take a dive. Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive. But I wanna be be so good, so bad, so bad, I want to be good so bad, bad desires all I ever had, and my shadow's getting smaller, smaller, and it's time to where I stand, shadow's getting smaller and smaller, and it's time to where I stand. City far behind. I'll take the high road, however far it winds, because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find. And I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be good so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 And these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had